okay, an introvert following the system can beat an extrovert riding, you know, just playing it loose and fast and mm-hmm. not following anything like any day. Like if you're able to turn off the emotions and just do the actions, I mean, that's, that's everything. I mean, that's. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is building great sales teams. All right, guys, we got a greasy one for you today. We got Josiah Adkins, the greasy goat is what I'm calling him. He's the head honcho over at Prospect Bacon. They are a marketing, advertising, and lead gen firm. Their niche is solar. They've got 200-plus campaigns running, 30 team members, 140 clients, and they're managing a little over $1.6 million a month in ad revenue. If you're in solar, you've seen his ads. You've seen his ads for lead gen. They usually have to do with bacon and ridiculousness or that ugly Carolina Panthers hat he's wearing in mm. it. <laughs> Josiah, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Doug, good to be on. <laughs> awesome, um, man. Not a Panthers fan. But you wore the Panthers hat for whatever reason. So, <laughs> I actually, I have a good story on that. Are you Cowboys? Yeah, you know, we're pretty basic from Texas. You know, we're mainly so Cowboys I, fans and then the transplants are Texans fans. I went to, uh, my dad was a contractor when I grew up. I, I didn't watch, you know, he was typical dad, you know, watch the games. I would say it was a huge, he liked college stuff, mm-hmm. um, but he built houses. And so like, you know, people would send in tickets and stuff like vendors do to like, Oh, use our lumber or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember going to a Panthers game and we got like whooped by the Cowboys. Like it was the worst. Like it was just, it was not like I knew there we were going there, the Panthers team, we just got whooped, but like leaving the stadium, somebody, uh, this big old truck with cowboy flags on through a beer bottle out of the window and it oh, almost wow. hit my dad on the street, like glass broke, like right in front of us. Wow. And my, my dad was, I mean, he was like, he was like a man's man contractor. Like I'll beat the crap out of anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember it was so mad. So I had the worst opinion of cowboy fans like <laughs> forever. Like that's four years old, which I, I recently got over. But yeah, that hat. Um, we were going to a minor league baseball game, and uh, we like. My wife was like, "Oh, our our th- our two year old needs a hat or whatever." So mm-hmm. we just stopped in the store, grabbed a hat. It was a Carolina Panthers hat. It was fine. And then. Uh, for my birthday, what he wanted to get me that year was a hat that matched his hat. And so that hat is more for my son than the Carolina Panthers. But That's an awesome story. And yes, I would say a good portion. You know what I mean? It's because a lot of those fans are my age. They came mm. from early 90s, right? And their dads yep. had no loyalty to their, to their own teams, so they became Cowboys fans. And that yep. that permeated or that basically created the core value of whoever's winning. Right. And I guess yeah. they stuck with the Cowboys surprisingly, cause we haven't won anything in forever, but yes, <laughs> I think it just was this chain reaction of crappy, 
crappy Cowboys fans over the last 30 years. So That's I definitely okay. know that they exist. But, uh, you know, I've probably seen two Cowboys games this year. I like to go to the games more than I like to watch them. And, yeah, um, super fun. Yeah, it's a good time. But uh, let's let's talk ridiculousness because I feel let's like any time I see an ad or any piece of content from you, it's just like my spirit animal bottled up into a commercial, right? And so, mm. and so one of my favorite things that you guys did is the office spoof. Oh, y'all yeah. Did, y'all did that on your that company retreat. So, like, where did that come from? You know, did you even think you were going to get an ROI? I feel like you just lay in bed at night and you're like, you get these ideas and they have nothing to do with your business. But because you have a business, it's like, well, I can afford that. <laughs> I can do that. Well, you know I mean? it's, ex- it's kind of what it is. You know, like I find myself when we first started it as a business, you know, we did nothing with video at all. And then, um, you know, even before I started my business, I was in Apex and Ryan was just like, you got to be on camera. You got to be on camera and blah, 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 blah. And so I started making, I don't know, just these really crazy ads, like one of our best ads of 2020, like from when I was kind of self-filming everything we did, there was this weird ad and I'm, I'm sitting there in the woods because I used to work. Uh, I built this business in like a exterior garage that was like 40 yards from our house, kind of back in some woods. And so nice. I, I worked in there, you know, when I had to use the bathroom, I peed in the woods. Like I wouldn't walk inside. Like, <laughs> you know, that was, I was a man, <laughs> you know, that was the first year or first year and a half of this business. Just this from that. Gives a whole new meaning know. to grassroots. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it was this ad I'd shot where I'm kind of like, I'm kind of whispering, you know, COVID was just out and, you know, everybody was like, what is this? Is this a zombie apocalypse? Is this all this goes? And so we shot this ad, like we were in the zombie apocalypse and I'm just whispering, holding a, holding a crossbow. And I think at the end of the end of the ad, I say, yippee kaye mother. And then I kick the door open. Like I'm, I don't know. It was just, (laughs) it was just really off the wall, but I found, you know, it's easy there's a book called um, Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon, which a lot of entrepreneurs have picked up. Mm-hmm. But I even, you know, before I was in business, you know, in high school and stuff, I was a musician. I was like, you know, how do I get, how do I get my name out? How do I do that? And, you know, that was a book uh, that was kind of recommended to musicians a lot. And so it was this kind of this idea of, you know, all great artists take inspiration from things. So when I'm watching things or thinking of things, you know, I might see an ad I like and go, you know, I don't want to copy that ad, but like, I really like what they did right there. Mm-hmm. So like, we just watched as a family. Um, I don't know when this podcast is going to launch, but I'm, I'm not going to hide it. We were watching a Christmas movie before Thanksgiving that happens in the Atkins How household. Dare you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It happens in the Atkins household uh, after after Halloween. We start Christmas. Um, are you in, and so? I don't mean to get off subject here, but are you excited about the new Christmas movie coming out? Which one? Uh, A Christmas Story. Yes, I'm really excited for that. Dude, it looks like awesome. It, is, it has all <laughs> the feels. It, yeah, it looks I'm real. So excited about it. There is. There is another sequel to Christmas Story I saw on TV one time that 
you know, I, I think everybody's just choosing to forget that ever happened, but, um, sounds accurate. It didn't, it was kind of like Sandlot too, you know, like you just don't go and <laughs> we just don't, we don't recognize that <laughs> straight, straight to VHS type deal, you know? Um, and the, but we were watching, uh, home alone, which I'd never seen in its entirety, not on TV, which, so there were a lot of extra things I'd never even seen in that movie. They cut a lot, I guess, when they showed on TV. I, I had the VHS. Did you? Yeah. Okay. How old are you? Oh, it's a 30. Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. I'm 30. I'm 36. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I had the VHS for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I always only watched it on, um, on television mm -hmm. and the, the problem it's not really a problem, but like they just added a lot more to the whole movie. I appreciate it a lot more, but mm -hmm. there's a scene where, you know, the whole family's packing to leave and it's just cool. Cause all these like people are coming in from upstairs, downstairs and like, it's this really fast montage scene, but I always look for things that are really easy to set up and shoot. You know, we, we do ads that work really well without having, insane budgets you know like a like a chambers media ad you might pay them a hundred grand for their anchor program where they make three good videos for your brand those three videos are usually it's usually a six minute ad they create one long one and then cut three ads out of that one that's a hundred grand but you know they're spending 40 60 grand on just setting up that shot and so for us it's like you know how can we be scrappy with our creative to get, you know, 80% of that ad for way less money. And so it was just this interesting shot from the movie where the camera's just sitting there in the doorway, like you're a person standing in their door and all this is happening. And so we're actually going to shoot an ad kind of based around that idea of just being in a house, the camera's there, you have all these people coming in and out. Yeah. And it's just drawing inspiration from you know, like stuff that you see, stuff that's familiar. So the office ad, I think the really funny thing about that is that um, I did not want to shoot ads that day. It was our first time we'd ever done anything together. Mm -hmm. And for some reason we go, hey, you know what would be fun to do with our 15 employees? Let's all rent a house and stay together for four days. I'm just thinking about my employees and yes. living with them in a house for four days. Four oh, days. Man. It it was it was uh what was what was it? Four nights, three days. I, I don't know. It was it was weird. Like so it was basically three days. Mm -hmm. And you know, we had meetings set up and that, but there was never any like off switch. Like I had my own bedroom. I, that was my alone space, but you know, like people were staying up, playing games, you're talking too late. Like there was just no, yeah. And we decided we're going to shoot ads on the last day. And exhausted. I was exhausted. <laughs> I was grumpy. I was trying to tell the, the camera guy to go home. And like, I was being a total baby in front of the whole team. And like, mm -hmm. I gotta, like, I was like, I'm not feeling this today. I'm like drinking four cups of coffee. And then uh, we shot the famous bacon with your shirt off ad there, um, which became pretty notorious. And I think 
kind of towards the end of the shoot, you know, I said, everybody's here. This is fun. What if we just did, let's just do something like office style. Let's do like an interview thing. And so it, it weirdly just kind of came together organically. There was no script, no weird idea. Just like, let's everybody do intros and see what kind of happens in the ad. And so that was really fun. We wanted to make, there was a second one we made that never made um, and never saw the light of day, but it was, uh, deep tracks. <laughs> it's a deep track. I hope it comes out, but it, it was basically like I was being Michael Scott in the ad mm-hmm. and I was going around to different people in the office being like, you know, like I'm kind of the Beyonce of solar marketing. <laughs> um, I want to say I've seen this. Is there like a longer version on YouTube or something? I hope not. Dude, I watched that... the, I watched the whole thing and I feel like it it's been a while. It's been like 3 or 4 months, right, since it came out, maybe 6 months. We had one in July. Okay. Yeah. If you saw that, I didn't know it actually made it out. Um, <laughs> Cuz I think our I thought it was unusable, but I was wearing these really short like American shorts like it was 4th of July and Nice. Like the thing was like, I'd like say that to somebody and then like, I'd like accidentally drop something and pick it up. And it was just like really awkward. Maybe um, maybe it's it's on your OnlyFans page. Maybe that's where I saw it. That's probably, <laughs> yes. Hashtag Grease Master. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, the, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I got to ask, like now we're getting into like, some of the fun stuff in your company, right? But, you know, just to kind of back up and learn a little bit about, a little bit more about you, like what's the, what's the story behind Prospect Bacon? Or I should say, yeah. what's the story behind the Bacon Baron is how mm. I'm going to approach that. So my story, um, elevator, I won't do an elevator pitch. I'll pretend like we got stuck in an elevator for two minutes. How's okay. that? We'll go, we'll go quick. Um, so I, uh, oldest of a family of seven, um, never knew what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I did a year of Bible college because it felt like a safe thing to do. Um, in Bible college, my stepdad lost his job. So we actually... I lost the financial aid I was qualifying for, which was letting me go to school. They didn't have money to pay for school. Uh, you know, I, Dave Ramsey always said debt was bad, so I didn't want to get a college loan. So I started applying for jobs, just thinking I'd go to community college, work my way through there. Um, had a tough time finding employment after Cracker Barrel told me they found a more qualified dishwasher. I answered this really sketchy Craigslist ad for a sales job, and it turned out to be water softener sales for a, uh, a rain soft dealer. And so that was like my first experience with sales. And it was like this old school two hour presentation, rub butter on their microwave, wipe it off type of like. Nice. It was a long like thing. Vacuum presentation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the whole process was built on this call center of eight people who I am 99% sure said, Hey, I'm so-and-so from um, 
they wouldn't even say I'm so-and-so, you know, I'm, we're in this, we're in the state of North Carolina and everybody would hear from the state of North Carolina and say, you know, we're, we're doing some water testing in your area. When would you like to get your water tested? Because everybody I came out to was like, yeah, you're from the state. We need to get our water tested. Like what happened? <laughs> like that was how every appointment I went to ever was. And, you know, it'd be like, well, no, like this is not that. And so um, turned out I, I ended actually doing pretty decent in that. Um, you know, it was kind of, commission only job, you know, I was making decent money and I was working this construction job doing insulation and crawl spaces like in the daytime. So I had appointments every evening. I was making, you know, probably close to six figures very early between these two jobs. And I was like, nice. and my parents were like, Hey, when are you going to college? And I'm like, oh, I think I'm figuring something out. Give me give me a little bit. Yeah. And so, uh, there are some laws changed with how telecom worked and how we were getting our leads. And so that whole business actually didn't make it. And so I ended up switching to, I got a job working door to door for time Warner cable now spectrum. And so that was like where I learned my process, which was like a, uh, four, a four week, training program on how to door knock, which was nuts. You know, I did that before I even went out and learned, you know, how to knock a door. Like it was just so much training. It was ridiculous, but that's where I cut my teeth on door to door. And it was funny. Cause I kind of learned door to door, how I think every kind of good salesperson should. Um, and so it was, you know, it was door to door without like the shame or the stigma of door to door. You know, I just came in thinking like, wow, what an amazing opportunity. I didn't really come in with this idea of like, it's door to door. I don't, it's door to door. I would never do that. Yeah. Like it was, it was not because it was presented so like corporate to me. It was like, this is normal. You're an area, you're an area neighborhood manager. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not door to door. Like, you know, that's different. And I have an iPad. It has my turf in it. I'm assigned here. Like I, I get a company magnet. I get to put on the side of my personal car, you know, yeah. like this is, <laughs> This is super legit. And so I cut my teeth there and they gave me, you know, what was considered like the worst territory they had ever had. And it was kind of like this weird, um, kind of like lower income country area. And, you know, I just cut my teeth on it and did really, really well. Cause if you ever meet me in person, I'm not an extroverted person by any means, but I, I do really well in one-on-one. -on -one. I build trust in people. I think easy, something about me. It's something I've always had. Like I do really well with people one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I and think so, it's, a, it's a common misconception that, hmm. you know, the best salespeople are, the selling profile is called entertainer. And anytime yep. somebody meets an entertainer, they think, oh, you're a salesperson. Yes. But the other four profiles are detective fighter and counselor or other three. Mm. Sorry. And, um, all three of them can be wildly successful in sales. Yep. And, um, you know, probably my top salesperson of all time. And if he's listening to this, he's going to message me immediately and like brag about the fact that I said he was probably my top salesperson of all time, but his name was Joey Skinner. 
he he is now a professional poker player. Hmm. <laughs> random, not really random. It makes sense, but he was the most soft spoken, like slow talking, unexciting person <laughs> you would ever meet. Yeah. And he would write 72, 72 deals a month, and that's probably about an 80% attachment rate on internet. So that's cable and internet. So back that's then, huge. it was cable first. Yeah. And he was just a monster. And he had the driest, simplest pitch, but he would run from door to door. Yeah. And he would just, his trackable actions were through the roof. Wow. Double what anybody else's was. And he would tell them, yeah. I just knocked more doors than you. And they wouldn't believe him. They thought he had some kind of secret sauce, secret pitch. He literally followed our script verbatim. Yeah. And he just executed on it. And he was able to kind of turn off the emotional piece. You know what I mean? And then that's the deal. Is like if you can turn off your emotions and just do the trackable do actions. The thing. Yeah. Then you're going to be successful. You it's know, whatever your style is, you know. And I, I, would, uh, I would guess that yours is going to be counselor. Or detective, mm-hmm. you know, which is a, a software spoken style, you know. Yeah, one one of the two. I I've never heard those sales profiles before. It's really interesting. I'd like to learn more about that. But mm-hmm. the, you know, I I read a book a while ago. I think called The Introvert's Edge. I actually got quite a bit out of it. But it was kind of the same thing of like, hey, an introvert following the system can beat an extrovert riding. You know, just playing it loose and fast and mm-hmm. not following anything like any day like if you're able to turn off the emotions and just do the actions i mean that's that's everything i mean that's that's prospect bacon in a sense you know like people are like oh you guys are so successful like you've grown up so fast and i'm like i don't know we're coming up on four years like that doesn't yeah. feel we're not brand new you know it's not yeah. like we started last year And it's kind of like this, I made this post one time kind of about like the cockroach effect. And it's this idea of like, if you do something long, like there's people we talk to every month that are like, Hey, we've been watching you guys for like two years. I think we're finally ready to do something like you're legit now. Cause everybody expects marketers just to fail. I Um, get, you know, and I know everybody says this, but I literally, I can go to my messages right now and show you three messages from marketers Yeah, from today. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, we're not even doing any kind of volume. Yeah. You know, but they're, they're not qualifying at all. You know no. what I'm saying? And so, but anyways, so. They're just out there doing stuff. Yeah. You and I. Doing the actions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're not educated actions, unfortunately, because no. there is a difference between the action and the educated action. Right. So yes. you and I met through Apex. Um, did. And so when I joined Apex, you were like the solar leads guy. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I need to put a pin in Josiah and hit him up when I'm ready to spend some money on leads, you know? Yep. And, uh, and then it was like six or seven months later and within the solar community. And this is what I think people, a lot of people saw, you know, they came across you maybe, but then within like six or seven months you executed and all of a sudden it just it wasn't just the leads guy anywhere. It was the solar marketing mogul. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you were everywhere yeah. in, in the solar communities. And then uh, the advertising I was seeing was from your ads or yep. your ads to solar salespeople. Yep. And so kind of talk about 
the evolution? Because I know it wasn't just a marketing evolution. It was also an operations evolution, a uh, right people, right seat evolution. Yeah. Like you went through a lot to get where you are right now. Yeah. I don't know where you found that info for the intro, but we just hired our, um, we're 36, I think, U.S. employees right now, and we've mm-hmm. got another 38 in the Philippines right now. And so our whole team's virtual. It's always been virtual. You know, in 2019, I hired my first employee. I always wanted to do everything virtual. A lot of what I built Prospect Bacon for was um, my my wife, uh, we, we had twins and then one of them was diagnosed with a pretty big medical disability, which was spina bifida. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, six months later, my oldest son got diagnosed with type one diabetes. And so I knew I had to be a different type of business owner, right? Yeah. Like I can't grind 80 hours a week in my business cause I needed leverage at home. Yeah. And so I, I knew I wanted to do virtual. I didn't want this office place I had to drive into to get work done. I figured we could have a bigger talent pool. Everything we can do is online anyways. And so, you know, in 2019, we hired employee number one. We were, you know, we had 10, 15 clients. I hired my first person. And then uh, I think by the end of 2020, we were up to 10, 12 team members. And then probably, we probably would have met 2021, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. And so in 2021, we did, you know, our first year in business, we, I'm trying to remember. So it was like our first year in business, we 8X'd our revenue. Our Mm -hmm. second year, we 6X'd. And then last year, we doubled. And so it's kind of like we've ended kind of at this place where, you know, we've had, you know, kind of what feels like astronomic growth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you ask me, you know, how does Prospect Bacon grow? How are its numbers? You know, we sign 20 to 30 new clients a month and we lose 10 to 15. Mm-hmm. That's how we've grown for over a year and a half. So a lot of people find this surprising, but, you know, since 2021, We've had the same ad budget. We spend $30,000 a month on ads for new prospect bacon clients. Mm-hmm. We, um, we started the podcast and a few other things this year, which has been really, really good already. I think we're already headed to a thousand downloads and pretty good viewership per episode. So uh, I think we just launched our 10th episode. So that's been cool seeing that go pretty fast. Um, that's- but a lot... I don't know if you know, but that's massive. You know, it took, it took me six months of podcasting, three episodes a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it, it would always happen throughout the month. I'd have this freak episode that would have like 200 downloads by itself. Yeah. But for the most part, like it took six months to get to a thousand downloads in a month. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, a, I'm about to come up to about 10,000 downloads. Probably awesome. by this time next week, which yeah. is cool, you know what I'm saying? But the fact that you're already at a thousand downloads is just massive. Not monthly. It's well, yeah, no, I understand that. But yeah, a thousand yeah. in ten episodes in, I think I was yeah. at maybe two hundred. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ten episodes in, you know. Yeah, I think it. I think it steamrolls, and you know, I think for me, 
you know, I kind of built, my platform was already built a little bit too, you know, like, so I, I think a little bit of that's there, but our, you know, our explosive growth, it's, it's, it's funny. Like, cause I had somebody else asked me that recently, you know, like, you know, what made you guys blow up? And I, I can't point to anything. I can, I can point to like 10 or 20 things we've been doing consistently right. for over two years. And it, it's not like one thing, you know, it's like, you know, I got invited to speak at SolarCon and that was a big, that yeah. was a big deal for us. That was, exposure. that was big help. We're going back. I got asked to speak again. Um, this coming year, like that was really good. And so it's just kind of this, like, you know, building your brand, providing a good service, over and over and over again mm -hmm. make it right when you know it's not right because not everything works well in business all the time but as long as you you know have your core values do the right thing and the rest kind of takes care of itself as long as you're doing like the right actions and the only other thing i will say is you know we've seen a lot of people who are competitors of ours go out and do a lot of different things you know we do solar we do roofing we do blah, 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 like we do right we'll take on any client over the summer, which is how it was when I started. But, you know, when we've really started growing and getting focused, you know, to me, when explosive growth happened, you know, I was, I was a worship leader at my church. I, I put that down to focus on the business and my family mm -hmm. that had a crazy explosive growth in the business, just from me not spending 20, 25 hours a week to get paid a hundred bucks a week, which I wasn't right. doing it for the money, but obviously it wasn't, it wasn't helping my family either. And it was, um, you know, more so just getting known, you know, every, every month more and more people know us. It's kind of that like butterfly effect, right? Like everybody that has a good experience with us, they tell a few people they had a good experience, they come through. And so it's been kind of this you know, to me, I, I look at other people and go like, we're not doing enough. We're not growing fast. But like, when you look, when you take that, like step out, look six months, look a year, look two yeah. years. It's like, wow. Yeah. You guys Cause you might be like, I bet you were like this, Doug. I only care about what we did last month. Yeah. That is pretty much the only, I'm terrible at looking quarterly, mm -hmm. yearly, you know, I, I want to know what we did last month, what we're doing this month. And I've always judged my business in that very small. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm even worse. I look at my business a week at a time, mm. which as I look over the past 12 years was a huge mistake. The last two years I've been looking at it quarterly, annually, been implementing EOS, you know, and, um, but yeah, that's how I used to operate a week at a time. We profited yeah. this week. It was a good week. Or we hit X number and, you know, yeah. Y recruits and had um, this much money coming to the company. We had a good week. Next week, yep. dry. Oh, this company sucks. <laughs> I got to do yeah. something. I got to change something, you know. And it's right, so, right. it's you're forever on this just roller coaster ride of emotions. You know, they, they call it in solar, the solar coaster, right? Yep. And uh, it's it's a very real thing. And, it, and it's hard to get out of because that's the way you operated for so long. So I'm breaking 10 years of, you know, operational mm. pain points. But so let's talk about solar a little bit. Yeah. Transition to that. Um, 
You know, and I, I think a big part is solar as a business. You know, yeah. it's, it's exploding. Like, just in Apex alone, I remember when I first got into it, it was like me and one other guy were in solar and you were doing solar yep. ads. Yep. You had, like, no clients in Apex. You know what no. I mean? And then a year later now, or a year and a half later now, um, I mean, there's probably 30 people in solar in Apex. Or, yep. uh, and then there's another 50 that are in roofing and solar, right? Uh, yeah, we're roofing about to do solar. Yeah, there's exactly. A lot of those guys. Yeah. And uh-huh. so that group's blown up. The group that we manage internally is blown up. And so that, I feel like that's just a, a sample size of what's going on across the nation, which is, you know, solar is a huge opportunity. Everybody sees the other 295 million homes that need solar, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We're barely scratching the surface. Yeah. So there's a huge opportunity if you're willing to stick it out and, and go through the, the hard times we have in the past couple of years. Um, yeah. So speaking of that, in your opinion, What's going on with the business? Do you think it's kind of like a filtering process in terms of like increased dealer fees? You know, there is some positive mm-hmm. stuff like the in, send the tax credit and the increase in the tax credit. Yeah. But, you know, things like the increased dealer fees and the, the install timelines because the installers are getting overwhelmed. What, what does all that do for your business? Is it just like a, you know, affect by omission because you're tied to solar as a business or are you finding ways to use that in your advertising? Are you finding ways to use that in your sales pitch when you're signing new clients? What is all yeah. that doing for you? Great question. So um, we have always been, you know, we, we are also on the solar coaster. There's no getting around that you know we're we're a service-based business you know people use us if they're getting an roi they cut us if they're not like mm-hmm. it's pretty cut and dry um i brought a coo into our company last year and because you know i i just needed i needed help and we i remember having this really long discussion with them because you know we were never great at tracking you know, KPIs for the business as a whole, like when you're a young business, you're just not doing a ton of that unless you've done it before. And so we were talking about canceled clients. And so we, we had this long discussion and I just remember feeling really angry because he didn't believe me, but it was kind of this idea of, you know, why do you say some clients pause and some clients cancel? And I'm like, well, the people that pause always come back. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, they're just too nice. Like they're telling you, I'm like, okay, let's keep track of them. Like, we'll come back. And then they closed a bunch of their deals. And now they're waiting to get paid on the installs. Yeah, that's exactly they give you more money. Yeah, that's exactly that. how it works. And yeah. so it's this weird, you know, somebody will come on with us two or three months. Sometimes they'll pause. You know, bigger companies can kind of stomach the, if they've got a lot of cash to invest in marketing, they're closing deals. They can say, yeah, that's fine. We can keep allocating. Yeah. 10 grand a month to marketing services because we can see it's reduced in X and we have cash flow for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we saw a huge influx of people wanting to use this for marketing for once the Inflation Reduction Act passed. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have seen a lot of kind of like weird stuff, like, 
you know, an installer coming to us, hey, we have an outside investor with a hundred grand. You're wanting to invest by December 31st, like stuff like that. And it, it seems, you know, more and more outside forces or outside industries are getting interested or looking at solar. I think a lot of people are waiting to see what was going to happen to tax credits, yeah. you know, big banks, you know, because big banks haven't even entered solar no. yet. And they need to save our yeah. asses. Yep. So that that is probably what we're headed towards, you know. <clears throat> Um, money is more expensive now than it's been in a while. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's just an effect of how we've treated money, not to get on any political stands or anything like that, but like, it's just a pretty obvious to see cause and effect of, you know, the way we printed money, mm-hmm. money is more expensive. Um, and so the way the rates are, are going, you know, I, I don't see any magic bullet coming to save higher dealer fees or anything like that anytime soon. I could be wrong. There are people much smarter than me. Um, but I, I think, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot more consolidation in the solar industry. We're going to see more outside parties getting interested. You're going to mm-hmm. see, you know, big banks starting to take an interest, especially probably if somebody told me, I think banks usually like to wait 15, 20 years before they start thinking an industry is here to stay. Right. And so solar is like headed and headed into that time period over the next five, five or so years. As I say, I think it's right at 15 years to where anybody was selling it in any kind of volume. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so as these big banks become more interested, you know, you're, your loan companies, you know, they decide, you know, are they, are they going to play? Are they going to bail? Are they going to do something else? What does that look like? And Mm so, you know, I think for the industry as a whole, um, you know, dealer fees, dealer fees are wild. Um, but you know, equipment's come down a little bit since the craziness of COVID too. Like that was freaking nuts. What? And so it's, it's going to, kind of be this dance over the next, you know, one to two years of doing that. I'm seeing people get more um, savvy using, you know, stuff like, you know, partnering with a mortgage guy, offering refinances and stuff like that, trying to kind of get smart around how they're doing some of that. But I I do think the industry's end for some interesting times because, you know, the other thing, you know, we like dealer fees have gone up for solar, but you know, what else electric electricity rates rose something obnoxious, like 30% across the U S or something yeah. this year. It was some obnoxious. I mean, Texas where they, you are, you guys had some, they knew they could get away with it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? They were like, all right, let me see energy costs is going up and the uh, inflation act. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jack these up another 5%. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it was like the day after it passed. So it and was it, like, okay. And that's what drives me nuts is like so many so many critics of solar say, hey, you know, you basically make what you can up to exactly offsetting the homeowner's costs. And mm-hmm. it's like if you look at the and let's just call it what it is right now, it's like a eighty five to one hundred day cycle of the yep. sales process in solar from from knocking the door or responding to the ad to PTO, right? Yep. 
And so if you look at that whole process and what you do for the customer during that process, whether you're a sales org or an installer, the margins make a lot more sense. Yep. It's very similar to what car sales used to be in the 90s, you know? Hmm. And yes, we're going to have to get smarter and sleeker and more efficient over the next five years to catch up to to the competitive landscape that it's going to become, you know what I mean? But I, I truly believe that if, you know, our margin, a gross profit on a solar deal is roughly, you know, 70 to 80 cents per watt, you're in the right space. You know what I'm saying? You've yep. got a lot of people to pay based on that, you know? And so um, I, I, I think the problem is a lot of people got burned by the dollar fifty and two dollar profit margins, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that were happening a lot more five years ago, we're and they're comfortable still comfortable with it, right? Yeah, they're yeah. still holding on to that, and it's like you can't do that to customers, you know? There, there's well, a there's a safe space in there that you can make a good margin, make a good profit, and um, do right by the customer. That all can happen, but a lot, there's a lot of variables involved, and one of them includes the utility. Another one includes the energy, um, the cost of energy from the uh, retailer, and then of course the uh, install costs. You know. Yeah, and I think that's something you know we've been paying attention to. You know, like depending on the market, you know, average cost per acquisition for us, you know, thousand fifteen hundred mm-hmm. two grand, like super competitive market it might be twenty five hundred plus. Um. And, you know, that's those are like with long-term clients that are happy and are like, hey, as long as it's under this, we're good. But the problem is, you know, solar's been this space where, you know, the business owners and the salespeople were just making a, yeah. an obnoxious amount of money. And, like, it's I'm not saying it's good or bad, but, you know, it is this place where it's been kind of the Wild West mm-hmm. and margin will have to come down, yeah. you know. Like, I remember... Um, you know, I sold heating and air systems for over a year. And then, you know, that was, you know, I made 10% on the systems. I sold mm-hmm. like 10% of that. And, you know, like these solar systems, you know, uh, there's That's just a lot. <laughs> but, Some of these guys are making between the center and the yeah. closer. But then you think the bank fees, 30% of that. So 30% of that was never the companies to begin with. And so when you do that number, they're making a lot more than 10%. Yeah, Um, And so it's it's kind of this thing of, you know, people have been paying a lot of money for an activity that, you know, takes about the same time. I, I mean, a good solar close, you know, back when I sold solar, you know, anytime I was actually signing docs, I was in there an hour and a half, two hours. Um, which, you know, I, when I sold direct TV or a water softener system, you know, not that much longer of time mm-hmm. selling a solar system versus one of those other things. Um, right. you know, direct TV could get kind of fast, you know, if on a, on a good sale, you know, I could be 30, 30 minutes, maybe yeah. in the house, closing a contract. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, uh, but you're getting paid this huge amount of money for this small activity. And so solar has been, you know, a great place for salespeople. Um, mm-hmm. And it's worked out towards a good deal for homeowners. But, you know, I think as the industry consolidates, you know, things will have to change 
businesses will have to protect their margin as things get more competitive, things get more expensive. Yeah. You know, it probably comes to a place where, you know, a sales rep's making, you know, a couple grand a job or on a good job, you know, and that's, that's fine. That's okay. And, you know, solar just becomes another industry where, Hey, six figure sales income is totally doable and possible yeah. if you work hard, but the guy selling six systems a month is no longer making no. six figures. And that's the deal. Well, they'll, yeah. they'll rise to exactly what they want to make. You know, all of a sudden <laughs> these solar sales people that can only sell one a week will be selling three and four a week. No yep. issue. And in in the the industry will the sales piece of the industry the sales org piece of the industry will advance, and yep. they'll realize oh crap I don't need a forty five minute presentation to sell a solar deal I only need a fifteen minute one. Yeah. You know? And and I do think we overcomplicate it you know because it is a high commission so we feel <laughs> like we have to overcomplicate it you know what I'm saying yeah but I I, I would agree with you hundred percent five years you know a ten kilowatt system you're gonna make two grand on. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's just got to go that way. Yeah. You'll see more big businesses consolidating, sales orgs buying installers, mm -hmm. people being bought. You know, I, I've yeah. seen people are starting to talk about you know what multipliers look like for vertically integrated companies and stuff like that. And you know, it's it's this kind of space where you know you've got a few years to decide: Are you really here to stick it out in solar? Or are you just here for the money? And e either way is fine. But, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've got probably about five years. And the sooner you figure out what you're doing and get on that mission, like if you want to be around, it's time to start investing. It's time to think about, you know, do I want to grow a vertical installer or do I want to become a sales team? So, you know, if I'm a sales work, do I really want to commit to one installer so hard that when they get acquired, you know, they're thinking about bringing me with them. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So it, it is exciting. I mean, we're attached to the solar industry, I think, as any business right now. And so that's 100% of what we do. Uh, Absolutely. So basically what you could take from that as a listener is get ready, dial in your systems, and uh, – Get ahead of the curve, you know, and that's what I'm going to do in my business. You know, I'm, I'm going to start looking for ways to already have that model where the closer's making two or three grand, the setter's making two or three grand on the door-to-door -door model at least, and, um, you know, the, the, the company's making two or three grand, you know. And I, and I, I know I can do that with volume because I've done yeah. it before with cable and DirecTV. And that's on the sales work side, I feel like that's where it's going to end up in five years anyways. So imagine if you get ahead of that curve and you start saving homeowners money month one because you don't have greedy salespeople in your organization. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. that's the bottom line. You become incredibly competitive if you have a strong marketing campaign. If you don't have a strong marketing campaign, then you're going to have to hire really good salespeople. That's just the bottom line, and they're going to want high commissions. So that's kind of where I'm at with the whole thing. I'm, I'm willing to kind of struggle for the next year or two to build out you know, a high volume sales team that, that the average closer is doing three or four sales a week and making yep. 150 grand a year. And that's reasonable, you know what I'm saying? But they have things like health insurance and they have a great culture behind them. They have training uh, beyond sales and business. They have mindset training, freedom training, investing, tax training, all that stuff.
and we create an amazing culture. If we start doing that now, or if anybody listening in your sales org starts doing that now, then I think you're going to be in a really, really good position in five years. And vertical integration isn't going to be that far away for you because your sales org is so efficient, you know, and you can now spend. Now you've already got the pieces in place. You could spend time on the install piece. So all that being said, you know, prospect baking is obviously a big part of your life in addition to the family and you're juggling both. So when it comes to legacy, uh, what does that mean to you? And what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? That is a really interesting question. You know, for me, kind of in the back of my head, you know, I never said this out loud, but I, I kind of, we had this really weird thing where in the beginning of last year, biggest client at the time uh, invited, you know, wanted to have a meeting with us and essentially, you know, it, it wasn't as direct as that, but they were kind of like, how much are you selling your business for and what do you want us and what, what's your number? Mm-hmm. And I just remember kind of sitting there and thinking about it and, you know, it, we ended up having another call later and I, I just had to go like, Hey, we are very conservative with our cash flow. There's no, investment or anything that would make sense for me as far as giving right. a part of this business away or anything like there's, I couldn't use it to grow the business. The only thing it would be doing is putting cash in my pocket and I'm actually have everything I need right now. Right. And so it was this really weird kind of moment for me. Cause I always built prospect bacon uh, in the way, you know, I, I, we did Facebook ads when we started, we added YouTube. Now we're getting really heavy into video, which I think will expand beyond even everything we're doing now. Um, and I, I always build it kind of with this idea, you know, I want to build something my kids can work at. Like my dad was a custom home builder. I always kind of grew up thinking I was going to work in his business, but he passed away. You know, when I was younger, my mom was running the business and then the whole housing bubble thing happened and like they, they just ended up shutting the business down. And so, you know, I was kind of had this feeling, you know, for the first 10, 15 years of my life, I thought I was going to be doing this thing, you know, working at this company, you know, my family. Owned. And so I've kind of had this idea, you know, hey, I want to build something you know, big enough for my kids to work at someday. Mm -hmm. And so legacy is is a really interesting thing because I I was talking to somebody the other day and he was like, you know, how are you thinking? You know, because he's like, he's making pretty good money. Uh, I I do okay. And it was kind of this, we were talking around this idea of like, you know, what is, you know, how are we raising our kids? What are they going to be like when they grow up? And it was like, man, I never met, I never met a kid with money that I liked, like (laughs) my whole childhood. And we all talk about like, you know, especially in apex and things is like, man, I'm raising my kid. Like he's going to be a King and like, he's going to know his worth Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And it's, it's, it's hard for me. I'm, I, I get stuck between this place. Like, and I don't want our kids to know we have, anything and then but i also want to give them the foundation of everything i've learned like 
Like I, I don't want them starting from zero like I did when I was running the business. You know, I, I want my kids growing up knowing and having an advantage from every all the experiences I've had, right? Because I, I think a lot of, you know, I'm 30 years old. You know, you know, it was a lot of, you know, I, I wasn't really around um you know, a, a ton of business owners, you know, by the time I was old enough to start asking really good questions, you know, my mom and stepdad had already shut down the business and, you know, they were just working some job. He wasn't really happy at kind of like, you know, almost checked out, not checked right. out like in a, in a disrespectful way, but like, you know, he wasn't, yeah, I know what you're saying. He wasn't building a company. Wasn't fire. Yeah. And so it was kind of like this, you know, I, I feel like my kids have such an advantage if I can figure out how to harness that and hand that to them in a way that doesn't make them feel like life is just handed to them. And so, you know, legacy for me, you know, this is something I'm building, you know, for my kids to be a part of. I think as we grow and expand, I, I think video is not going anywhere anytime soon. I think companies that can do video ads really, really well um, can do some big, really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I hope my kids can work at prospect Bacon someday. I hope they can have a job, but you know, maybe they don't get any money till they're 30 or 40 or like, <laughs> well, I mean, even if they don't, and even if you sell for 20 million tomorrow or something like that, you know what I'm saying? I yep. think the more important piece that you're working on inadvertently is giving them the knowledge and the values. You know, and I think that's going to be the lasting piece of the legacy, right? Even if prospect, prospect bacon doesn't last, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I did, I thought it was Argenta, Argenta, that's my legacy. And then I realized after a few close calls, <laughs> this may not be around forever, you know, and it may yeah. be what I want to do, but it may not be what they want to do, right? And so as long as I give them the knowledge and the values, which the knowledge is massive and then the values is those will easily stand the test of time. Yeah. They're going to be good in, sh in good shape and they can go out and build their own prospect bacon someday, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's the, that's the thing, right? Like I remember after my second year in business, I was talking to a friend and I was saying, man, like, I'm just kind of, I've always had this idea of like, you know, we're a marketing company everything we do is on the internet, Facebook and YouTube could wake up tomorrow and say, Hey, we don't want like third party advertisers anymore. Like we're only going to let companies advertise only for themselves or like some crazy scenario where everything we do goes away. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to him about that and he was like, dude, like, don't you get it? Like you already unlocked the matrix. Like, you know how to build this, you know how this works. And so that's all I want to do is, you know, I want to show my kids, that like hey you know this is you know life is you know what you make of it not you don't just take what's handed to you You're like go make the most of your opportunities mm. life happens you know life doesn't happen to you it happens for you take all those experiences and everything and turn them into great things you know because i i think you know everything i did as a job is a skill i use right now 
running a company. And I think just being able to see and take advantage of stuff is, is huge. No, it's massive. So yeah, I think we'll end with that. <laughs> um, it's a great conversation and I love having it with all my guests. And that's usually the last question I ask for that reason. And so uh, I renamed the podcast while we were on it. I'm just on this, the Bacon Baron. I'm on mm. that right now. I think that's going to be the we're title. We're going to stay there. Yeah, we're going to stay there. Like that's your, you own the bacon, right? <laughs> I, I like it better. Somebody called me Josiah the Solar Messiah the other day. I didn't oh. really enjoy that. <laughs> I think that's more Jake, Jake Hess's wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> I think yeah. that's more his, his game. I, yeah. I was... Uh, there was some uh, Facebook interaction between me and him today because he was my seventh guest. So podcast number seven, he was on. And yeah. I was like, man, we got to bring it back around. We got to bring you back because he's like, it, it, it's funny. Like, you know, naturally, once they're on my podcast, they blow up after that. So, you know, you're going to go 8X. There 8X, we go. Yeah, next Jeez. year. <laughs> That's not the case. But, no, he was already on his way up. And yeah. so uh, – but that's what I'm finding is, you know, a lot of the listeners are in the solar industry and it's just happened mm -hmm. naturally because I had him on early on and it was very solar focused. I had Earl Kapul very early yeah. on. Uh, Brent Attaway was another one and um, um, Ben and Maxwell. I had those, yep. those brothers early on and so it became very solar centric, even though it was just building great sales teams. But no, brother, I appreciate yeah. you coming on. Uh, oh, I had an idea for you. So oh you know how you want to pass on knowledge to your kids? Well, you should do it like, Michael, do. like Michael Scott did and record yourself the, giving them the 10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just make videos of myself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how to undo a woman's bra <laughs> and like all the different stuff you do is awesome. I gave you an idea now and now you got to run with it. I remember this 30 years. I don't think this is a spoiler, but my, one of my favorite Michael Scott moments was... I think at the end when they said something like he's taken so many pictures of his kids, but every time his phone fills up with pictures, he just buys a new cell phone. He's got two cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. awesome. So good. Um, well, I appreciate you, Doug. Thanks for having me on. And, Absolutely. Uh, we'll do it again. Yeah. So what's an easy way to reach out to you? If anybody. Easy way to find me. Uh, I think on Facebook, I'm, Real Josiah Atkins, same handle on Instagram. Um, just Josiah Atkins. Look for, I think I'm just, I have a giant fistful of bacon. So uh, pretty easy to find. Can't miss you. All right, brother. I appreciate you being on the show. Let's get building. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.